Okay, we're going to begin here on the Mishnah in the middle of Chavdal and Medbet. The Mishnah begins, May not light with Shem and Sreifa on Yom Tov. We already discussed from the first Mishnah that Shem and Sreifa is Shem and Shel Chuma, that is Tmei'ah, and needs to be Nisrefet. Over here, the Mishnah is discussing Yom Tov, whereas in the previous Mishnah we discussed Shabbat. That's what the Gemara tried to reconcile, why there's a difference between Shabbat and Yom Tov. Are we really talking about two different items? One may not light with Itran because of Kavod Shabbat. Itran, we already discussed in the Gemara about the definition of Itran, which was Psuta de Zifta, which was the dregs or the leftover of the pitch that we saw on the bottom of Kavod Bet, the discussion of what Psuta de Zifta was. Rim say that all Shmanim. Are okay. B'shem and shumshumin, b'shem and eguzim, b'shem and snonot, b'shem and dagim, b'shem and pakuot, b'itran ubnift. So this is a continuation of the statement of the chachamim that all shmanim are good, and including shem and shumshumim, sesame seed oil, shem and eguzim, oil from nuts, shem and snonot from radishes, b'shem and dagim. Over here, there is a disagreement between Rashi and the Tosafot. Shem and Dagim Rashi says, from the innards of a fish that has dissolved, which is the same definition that Rashi brought before when we discussed the Dagim, whereas Tosafot there already distinguished and said, on Tosaf says, Kirvei Dagim, Shem and Dagim. There's a distinction between Kirvei Dagim and Shem and Dagim. Shem and Dagim is the, actually the oil from the fish itself, from the eye of the fish, basically fish oil, that's mentioned here in the Mishnah, whereas what we discussed before is what Rashi defines over here, which is Kirei Dagim Sheni Mochu. Whereas Rashi defines Shem Dagim in the Mishnah, the same as what was mentioned in Chaf Aleph Amad Aleph as Kirei Dagim Sheni Mochu. And it won't matter today's stuff, it will matter further on. Shem and Pakuot, Rashi says that a Pakuot or Dalat Midbari is a wild gourd, that is, Mikolosint, Vitran, Already we saw before, which is the dregs or the residue of the pitch. And beneft is some sort of petroleum product. You can only use olive oil. So my timer. Mara goes back and wants to know, why can't you be Malikim B'Shem Tzreifa B'Yom Tov? What's the issue? One cannot burn Kodoshim and Yom Tov. Again, we dealt with this on Friday's staff. One can't burn Kodoshim. In order to rid oneself of the Kodoshim and Yom Tov. How do you know that's true? So, Amr Chizkiya, Vachain Tana de Bechizkiya, Amr Kual, Pazak says, Lotutu Rimenuat Boker. One may not leave it over until the morning. This is leftovers of a Korban. Korban whose time has already elapsed, expired, and you may not leave it until the morning. Whatever is left over until the morning is then burnt. So the boker here is unnecessary. The second ad boker is unnecessary. You could have read the puzzle. Why do you need ad boker? We know that that term has already been defined. The time period has been defined. To say ad boker again is completely unnecessary, extraneous. Comes to teach you that there's an additional day to burn it. The additional day, here we're talking about the Korban Pesach. So the Korban Pesach is brought on Erev Pesach. It's eaten that night. Must be finished either before Chatzot or the break of dawn the next morning. When it's left over the next morning, you're on Yom Tov. And then it says, Boker Sheni. A Boker Sheni means the day later, which would be Cholom So you have to wait until Cholom to burn the leftovers of the Korban Pesach. And you cannot burn it on Yom Tov itself. So here we have a pasuk that teaches us this. Abayamar, 
Amar Kra, the Pazak says, Ulad Shabbat Bishabato. The Ola of Shabbat may be brought on Shabbat, but the Ola if it's something that derives from a Korban of Chol, that may not be brought on Shabbat. So on Erev Shabbat, if you have Korbanot that are left over, they cannot be placed on the Mizbeach on Shabbat. And similarly, with Korbanot of Chol that come into Yom Tov, you cannot burn them on Yom Tov. So just like over there, even there, though they're Tzorach HaMizbeach, nevertheless, we restrict you from placing them on Mizbeach on Shabbat and Yom Tov, then certainly when we're talking about the burning of Kodashim that are left over, that you can't do that on Shabbat or on Yom Tov. Rav Amar Amar Kra, Hu levado yaseh lachem, Hu velo machshirim, levado velo milash lo bizmana da'ati b'kav v'chomer. Pazuk says, with regards to Ochel Nefesh, the heter of Ochel Nefesh, that it says, Hu yuvado yaseh lachem, that only for your own needs can you do, Hu, that which you can do, velo machshirim, not preparatory items. So, for instance, one is allowed to cook on Yom Tov. One is allowed to perform a Brit Milah on Yom Tov. One is not allowed to make the knife to do the Brit Milah. One is not allowed to make the oven in order to cook in it on Yom Tov. So that's called a Machshirin. You may not prepare Machshirin because those are things that could have been done prior to Yom Tov. Where things that couldn't have been done prior to Yom Tov, like cooking, like doing the Brit Milah, those are permitted on Yom Tov. Below Bemila Shlob and a milah that's not in a timely manner, it's not on the eighth day, the because you would have thought that you could do a milah on Yom Tov, even though it wasn't the eighth day, because of a kabachomer. What this kabachomer is is subject to machlokatir in the Rishonim. Rashi brings the simple kabachomer that's used later on in Armasechta, which is that we have a hierarchy, which is that Zorat is doche et avoda, avoda is doche et shabbat, and we know that mila is doche et tzarat. One has tzarat and nega tzarat, he may not do avoda in the mikdash. One who does avoda in the mikdash may do avoda on shabbat. There are avoda korbanot that are doche et shabbat. Again, if I put them in order, I have tzarat trumps avoda, avoda trumps shabbat. And when it comes to brit milah, we learn from the psukim that brit milah is doche tzarat. If one has a nega, on the Makoma Mila, you can perform the Mila, even though you're going to cut away a Negat which is not permitted. So despite that fact, you're allowed to do it. So we now have that Mila's trumps Tzarat, Tzarat trumps Avoda, Avoda trumps Shabbat. So the transitive property would say that Mila is Doche Shabbat. Now Mila is Doche Tzarat, whether it's Bismana, whether it's Shalom Bismana, whether it's a timely Mila on eight day or not a timely Mila, it is Doche Tzarat. And therefore, you would have thought that it should also be Tocha Shabbat and Yom Tov. Along comes the Pasuk to say, no, that it's only Levado, Velo Lemilash, Lo Bizmana, Da'aji V'chomer. And then, Umemeila Shmaein and Rashi says, the mitzvah she'ein zmana kavua, any mitzvah doesn't have a fixed time, Yechol HaSoto Machar, Eno Docha Yom Tov. And you could just as well do it the next day, that's not Tocha Yom Tov. Huadin L'Srefot Kodeshim Tmeim. And that's similar to Kodeshim Tmeim, have that same din. The Tosafot brings an alternative. He says, He's not goreis that in our Gemara. You could have learned out without a kavachomer. So you should be able to perform a mila on Yom Tov unless you have this restriction from the Pasuk. So he says that we would have known mila shlob is mana independent of the kavachomer. You would have just known it because it's asay doche. The other possibility, Rima Faresh, Daji Bukavachomer, Darim Nidavot. Going out of Kavachomer from the Nidrim and Devot. Nidrim and Devot are voluntary carbonote that one is permitted to bring on Yom Tov. They are Doche Yom Tov. 
Afagov, Shalom Nikhutu Alem Yugimo Britot. If you saw in this week's parsha that Brit Milah has 13 Britot, 13 covenants that are associated with it. The word Brit is used 13 times in the parsha Tamilah, which we saw at the end of this week's parsha. And therefore Milah has a higher standing than Nidarim and Devot. And we see that Nidarim and Devot, you're allowed to bring on Yom Tov. It's Doche Yom Tov. So, so too, Brit Milah should also be Doche Yom Tov. The last answer is given by Ravashi. Ravashi Amar, Shabbaton Asay. That Yom Tov does not only involve a Lot Asay, it also involves a positive commandment of Shabbaton, to rest, to be Shavot. Whatever that includes, that Ambam and the Ramban have this mitzvah to say both by Shabbat and by Yom Tov. They define it slightly differently, but they indicate in general that there is a positive commandment on Shabbat to make it basically Shabbos Dik. Yom Tov has both aspects now. You're not allowed to do Malach on Yom Tov. Also, there's an Asay to make it Yom Tov, to rest on Yom Tov. Vein Asay Doche, Lot Asay Brit Milah is simply an Asay. So unless I have a specific Pasuk being Matir me, I may not be Doche at Yom Tov. That'll be true by Mila Shalob Zmana. It'll also be true by Korbanot of either Korbanot or Srifata Korbanot, none of those will be permitted to be Doche Yom Tov because they are simply a positive commandment. Positive commandment going up against a Lotase Vase does not work. Now, it's not clear how that works. Tosafot in different places discusses why that's the case. One possibility is to say that the assay makes the Lotase into a stronger Lotase. So I have a regular assay. A regular assay can trump or override a lotase. When I have a lotase that's coupled with an assay, that makes it into a super lotase. And it's a super lotase, you can't be dochet. That's one way Tosfat reads it. In other places Tosfat reads it as, well, it's assay dochet lotase. So I have my assay and I got rid of the lotase. But then I'm still left with the assay. And that's what causes me the problem. Those are two different ways to look at it. Obviously, as nafkaminot, when you have different types of lotases. I mean, assay doche lotasei may only apply to simple lotases. If you have a lotasei that includes karate with it, then depending on why you think the reason here, again, whether you think it's a super lotase versus it's doche lotase, but the assay remains, make a difference when you have a super lotase, like a lotase that includes karate, whether the assay can be doche or not. Nafkaminot between those reasons that Tosafot brings. The other thing is, why, in the end, is truma? Asura Bisrifan Yom Tov. The truth is that all the Psukim and all things that we just discussed refer to Kodashim, not to Truma. Echa Yavin and Truma mi Kodashim. Tosvat says, The Kodashim dinu shein Srifatan docha Yom Tov, vifin shein yachol hanot bishat Srifa. It's a simple difference between Kodashim and Truma. Kodashim, when you burn them, you can get no benefit from them. Shem and Srifa, when you burn it, you're allowed to get benefit from it, whether it's heat, whether it's light. You're allowed to benefit from them. The whole problem of burning the Kodashim on Yom Tov is that you don't get any benefit from it. But if you do get benefit from it, it sounds like it would be permissible. So why isn't Truma permissible? Tosafot here quotes something that they say in Beitz as well, which is that when it comes to Sreif on Yom Tov, it has to be some Tzorech. It has to be some Tzorech Yom, at least partially. Rashi over there says, when we say Hutra Sreif on Yom Tov or Havara on Yom Tov, means you can do as you please. You can burn anything you want, doesn't matter anymore. Tosafot over there still requires at least a minimum tzorech that has some reason that you're burning it, some connection to Yom Tov. So Tosafot over here says, But at least you have that by Truma. You do have that small tzorech. He says, Torah doesn't let you get any benefit you want from Truma. That's Nisrifa or Chumat Meya. Let's be clear. 
The reason you're burning the Shem and is because you're supposed to burn it. The reason you're burning the Trumat Tmeya is not to get Hana from it. The reason you're burning the Trumat Tmeya is because you have to obliterate, you have to eliminate this Trumat Tmeya. Happens to be that you're allowed a side benefit from it. Being allowed that side benefit from it doesn't mean that that's the reason that you're burning it. And therefore, on Yom Tov, we would not permit you to burn it, even though there is benefit that you're allowed to take from this. That's one answer. Or, the reuse mefaresh, the insurfim kodshim biyom tov, perish, gazru chuma atu kodoshim. The re says that it's exera atu. Because you're not a born kodoshim in Yom Tov, so you can't burn chuma as well, because you might mix it up. If you burn chuma, you might think you burn kodoshim. It's exera dira banan. Tos why don't you make exera that you can't burn chuma tmeya, because you might burn chuma tmeya she'enu tarich. That's, that's something you don't need. You don't need the light, you don't need the heat. That would also be problematic in Yom Tov. Tos says that's lo shchiyach. It's not common. So most times you're going to use the light, you're going to use the heat. So they made a gzera otu kodoshim. So that's the reasons behind why Sermon Tzreifa is impermissible on Yom Tov, and we saw as well, obviously on Shabbat, there are additional possibilities of issues with Sermon Tzreifa, but we know that's also be Yom Tov, and therefore it is also usher on Shabbat, either otu Yom Tov, or for Yom Tov Shabbat, Erev Shabbat, or because of Shemayate, we saw all the different reasons that were brought before in the Gemara that apply to Shabbat as well. The Gemara says, V'yom tov hu dasir. From all we've discussed so far, it sounds like the Sreifa of Truma Tmeya is only problematic on Yom Tov. Ha-b'chol That sounds like on a weekday you would be permitted to benefit from it. My time, Amrav, Shem she mitzvah l'srof kodoshim shenitme'u. Kach mitzvah l'srof at the Truma shenitme'it. Just like there's a mitzvah to burn kodoshim that became tmeim. So too, there's a mitzvah to be burned, truma that was nitmate. Again, for the reasons that we discussed before, which is that kodoshim, the reason is we don't want there to be a takala. We don't want people to get into trouble with this item. And therefore, we want it burnt or eliminated so that people don't get into trouble. So the same is true by truma as by kodoshim. Truma tmeah is not allowed to be eaten. Just like kodoshim that are either nitmate or notar, gone over their time period, have to be burnt because they can't be eaten anymore. And then the Torah permitted you to get benefit while it's burning. Where did the Torah tell us this? So I gave you my mishmeret here is the guarding of trumotai of my trumot. Here the trumotai it's not trumati which we trumas sheli but trumotai which is trumot sheli the plural of trumot. Why are there multiple trumot? So in Pashtura Pasuk, you could just say that trumotai means all trumot that they receive. But here, the Gemara Dashans on trumotai in the plural form, v'shtei trumot akadu medaber. Torah is talking about two types of trumot. Achad trumat teorah, v'achad trumat One is trumat teorah, which you must guard from becoming tmeah. V'achad trumat tmeah. Aram ha-rochman o-lecho. I gave this to you. Shochat hei lasikat akatav shilcha. You may use it, you're permitted to use it for your own benefit. And therefore, when you're guarding the truma, guarding truma Torah makes sense, because you're preventing it from coming to me'ah, and you're eating it. So that makes sense. But guarding truma me'ah, what is mishmeret? What is that that you're doing with the truma me'ah? The only thing you're doing is burning it. So the answer is that l'cha, you get to use it, you get to utilize it. And that's the benefit of truma me'ah, when you're burning it, when it may utilize it. So it says about Meiser Sheni in the Vidoi Maser that's found in Parshat Kitavo. It says, I did not burn it, remove it, went to me. Biarti here 
means to consume it. I did not eat it when I was Tamei. Nor did I burn it, remove it when Tamei. When it comes to Meiser Shani, you cannot burn it when it's Tamei. Chumat Shani you can be Mavir. How do you know? Here we're talking about Meiser Shani. It's excluding something. How do you know that it's excluding Chumat Tamei? Maybe it's excluding Kodesh Shani So, Lav Kavachomer. It's a Kavachomer. Mama Serakal. We're talking about Maser, which is not as Hamur as Kodashim. Kodashim are a much higher level of Kedusha than Maser Shani. Amra Torah lo be'ar tibi menu b'tamei. It's not eliminated when it was Tamei. Kodash Hamur lo koshukein. Kodash or Kodashim that are much more Hamur, of course. I says, well, you can say the same thing about Truma. Why don't you say the same thing about Truma? Truma has a higher designation than Maser Shani. Truma is more Kodash than Maser Shani. Because we have the miut in the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, something is not like Maeser Shani, so we have to pick something. So Mara says, Umaraita. So then how did you decide which one it is? How did you know between Truma and Kodashim? Both are more Chamor, more Kodesh than Maeser Shani. How do I know which one to eliminate? The answer will be, I'll eliminate the one that is less Kadosh. So I have to look at Kodashim versus Truma, which one has a higher level of Kedusha. That's what the Gemara is about to do. Mistabra, Kodesh, Lomimihatna. Shikain, it makes sense that we will not exclude Kodesh because here the Gemara says Siman, like in parentheses, Siman is Panak Akas, which is six items that make Kodashim more Chamur, which is number one, Pigol. They have a din of Pigol, which is a person who has a machshava to eat the Korban outside of the Zman, outside of the time period where it's normally consumed, and then she does the korban properly, the remainder of the Avodata korban properly, and he eats it, is in violation of Nisar Pigul. Nisar Pigul, through Machshava, only applies to korbanot, does not apply to Truma. Notar, such a concept as leftovers, that there's an expiration, that there's a designated time when you can eat Kodashim, that applies to Kodashim, that is not true by Truma korban, that it has a status or a shame korban, it's called a korban in the Torah. And it may be Mukrav al which is also a higher level form. Me'ila, if it is misappropriated, one has violated the ownership of Hekdesh or of Hashem over the item. One has to then, number one, pay the item, the Karen, the Chomesh, and then bring a Korban Me'ila. So those items are also a Chumrah that is in Kodoshim. Even though, technically, when it comes to the time of eating Kodoshim, there is no Me'ila already. One says Heter the Kohanim, there is no Me'ila. But there still exists within Kodashim the possibility of coming into contact with Me'ila. Vikarait. And one who eats Kodashim bitumata guf, one is Tamei, and they eat Kodashim, the Chayav Karait. And Asur le Onain. And the last thing is that an Onain, it's Asur for an Onain to eat it. Maeser Shani may not be eaten by an Onain because it's a din of Simcha. And then we learn from that, a Kavachomer to Kodashim that also may not be eaten by an Onain. That is not true by Truma. Truma can be eaten by an Onain. Rashi brings the Limur. It says, Zaruta that only a Zar is impermissible in Truma, not an Onain. Onain is permissible to eat Truma. There's no din of Simcha. By Maeser Shani, there's a din to eat it by Simcha, so an Onain may not eat it. But by Truma, there's no din of Simcha. Let's not exclude Truma. We have four items over here. One is Mita, someone who eats Truma, whether it's a Zar, someone who's not allowed to eat Truma, or it's a Kohen who's Tamei, who eats it, gets Mita Bidei Shamayim. Chomesh, 
one who eats truma when they're not supposed to eat truma has to replace that truma and then has to add on an additional chomesh, has to add on an additional fifth on top of it. And then the ein la pidyon, it has no ability to be redeemed. Truma always remains truma. You cannot redeem it in any way. It's supposed to call the shim, which you can redeem. And vasurah zarim. And zarim cannot eat it. As opposed to korbanot, you have certain korbanot, like shlamim, toda, maser, that can be eaten by non-koanim. But here, by truma, there's never a case where a zar can participate in it. The answer to the Gemara is, Hanach nefishan. The kodashim have six items that makes them above my sosheni, versus the four items that we found by truma. So if I look at a hierarchy... Maishor Shini is the most kal, then Truma is more chamor, and then Kodashim is even more chamor. So if I say by Maishor Shini it comes to exclude something, what's it going to come to exclude? It's going to come to exclude the case of Truma. So when it comes to exclude the case of Truma, that says that Truma can be biarti mimenu bitamei. When it's tamei, I could burn it, I can benefit from that by burning or eliminating the Truma tmeyat. Now, in terms of Chomesh, we just said before that there is a dinam ilah by Kodoshim, that means if you eat Kodoshim, you also be chayav in Karen v'chomesh because of Me'ilah. And we said one of the chumrot by Chuma is the fact that you pay a chomesh, but you also pay a chomesh by Kodoshim. The difference being is that once you reach Heter the Kohanim, by Kodoshim, once Kohanim are permitted to eat it, there's no din of Me'ilah, and you wouldn't pay a Karen v'chomesh. Chuma never has a Heter to anyone except the Kohanim, and even with Heter the Kohanim, you still pay the chomesh. So that's a chumra by Chuma over... The last thing, this is something we discussed in other places, which is, what is the difference between karet and mita shemayim? What does karet trump mita shemayim? They both involve death. So why is karet over here any different than mita shemayim? They both say God's going to take one's life early. Now she says that over here. So trumav mita shemayim yamav niktsarim. Exactly what Shul just pointed out. Rashi is pretty consistent everywhere. He says that karet involves two punishments. Karet is, number one, the punishment for the individual themselves, that their life will be shortened. And the other is that their offspring will be impacted by karet. Whereas mita b'deshemayim only affects the individual themselves. That's the way Rashi distinguishes. Tosafot here points out that he doesn't think that is correct. He says the real difference between karet and mita b'deshemayim is that karet has a cap. Karet, one may not live past a certain date. Like Mara discusses in other places, whether it's 60 years, 40 years, Whatever it is, karate has an automatic cutoff. One may not live past a certain age. Mita Bideshamayim just says that you will die early, not the age. There's no cutoff age for that. As far as offspring is concerned, Tosfot says that's not the case. And that is because there's a difference between karate and karate ariri. Karate is just standard karate, which is the individual's affected. The Torah uses karate ariri. That means that not only is the individual affected, that their offspring are Affected, and only when it says ariri. Rabbeinu Tam disagrees. Says that that's not the case. It's also machlok at the Rambam and the Ramban also argue about what the meaning of karet is. The Rambam says karet is not a physical karet, but a spiritual karet that the neshama is cut off from connecting with God eventually, which is the ultimate olam haba is shidei nafshok shura that the nefesh of adam is connected to God and reaches that, that ultimate end when they passed away and the goof leaves and the shema returns to Hashem. The Rambam says karet means that that person will not reach it. The Ramban takes issue with that and he says I can't see that being true. Can't be that everything that there's a chiyub karet for means the person's never going to have quote unquote olam haba, never connect with God. So therefore the Ramban divides up karet into different categories. There's certain karet which are chamur, significant whether it's Avodah Zarah, Shabbat, that might involve what the Rambam says. 
And there's other, in the normal karet that you find that that karet does not involve being cut off. So we have many Rishonim discussing the issue of karet. We discussed it in Kretot and other places where we actually discussed the issue of karet and the punishment of karet. But just know that here again it comes up because of this distinction between Mita Bidei Shemayim and the karet. Alright, now the Gemara continues. There's one other option. Vibaitema. Kodesh Hamur, Shkena Nush Karet. It's pretty simple that it's an Anush Karet versus an Anush Midei Shemaim. Nakman Yitzchak Amar Kra, Titein Lo, Lo, Velodo Ro, Michlao, Dubato Ro. Here, when it says that you have to give it to the Kohen, it says Titein Lo, you must give it to him. And the drush we make from that is that you give it to him, Lo, Velodo Ro. It's given to him to eat, but not to burn. If you have to exclude burning, that means that somewhere else it is mutar to burn it. And that means that there is a case where truma can be burnt, and that's a case when it's truma tmeya. When it comes to reshit ganchati tenlo, that's when it's tahor. But when it's tamei or it's truma tmeya, in that instance we say it does get it's bat oro, it does get burnt. You have three different ways to learn out the fact that it's truma tmeya is burnt, and that one may get hana from it. Again, we had the possibility of learning it out here from titenlo. Possibility of learning out the distinction that it's a miut from meiser sheni. Why we might eat that and not Kodoshim is because either Kodoshim are more Chamur or because the difference between Karet and Midei Vishamayim. And the original answer was that we learned it out from Shtei Trumot. Because it says it's Mishmer Trumotai. So the Trumat is also something where you get Lecha. That you, the Kohen, are allowed to benefit from it. Right now, the Gemara moves on. Rabbi Shmuel Omer. What's the problem that Rabbi Shmuel has with Emed Bikim Bitran? That one may not use Bitran. So my time, my rova mitoch shirechora. Says because it has a bad odor to it. It's malodorous. Gezeira shemi yinichena v'yetze. Well, so what's the problem with that? Well, if it's malodorous, he might leave the house. I mean, the smell may be so overwhelming or so difficult to bear that he's going to leave his house. So I'm like, what's the big deal? So he leaves his house. Why do we care if he leaves his house? So I'm like, shani omer habakat ner shabbat chova. So I say lighting a candle on Shabbat is an obligation. Well, how does that answer the question? So Rashi and Tosafot on the spot say this, Chuvah, Kvod Shabbatu. It's Kavod Shabbat. She'en suda chashuva el makom or ke'en yomoma. A sudat Shabbat is not considered to be a chasub suda unless you eat it when there's light there. You need light in order to have the sudata Shabbat, like daytime. You have to have lighting to make the meal into a significant meal of Shabbat. Tosafot says the same thing, perish from makom suda. If you have near Shabbat in the place where you have suda. It's part of the Oneg Shabbat is to eat a meal in the place where there's lighting. I mean, you know that. If you can't see your food, uh, you also don't taste your food as much. It's not as much pleasure in eating when you can't see it. So Abai wouldn't have asked about Nair in general, that it's an obligation. Here, the obligation that we're speaking about is the obligation to have light during the meal. Lighting a candle on Shabbat is an obligation. Washing one's hands in hot water going into Shabbat Arvit is a reshut. That's an optional thing to bathe for Shabbat. And I say it's a mitzvah. My mitzvah. What do you mean it's a mitzvah? This was the practice of Rabbi Yudah Barilai. Erev Shabbat, Mivinlo, Areva, Mleya, Chamin. On Erev Shabbat, they used to bring him a trough, a bowl, full of hot water. Prochets, Panav, Yadav, Raglav. He used to bathe, he used to wash his hands, his feet, his face. Umitatev. And then he wrapped himself up. Yoshib, Sadinin, Hamitsu, Yatsin. They would sit there with his 
linen clothing. Linen because the whitest clothing that you could have is made out of linen. So you'd be a white linen begadim. Hametsu yatsim, they had tzitzit on them. V'domel ha-malach Hashem tzvakot. And he was, looked like a malach. That's what he looked like when he was wrapped up like this. Vayu tamidav michavim mimenu. And his tamidim used to hide from him. Kanfei sutan, the corners of their begadim. Amar lehen banai. Lokach shaniti lechem, didn't I teach you this? Sadin v'tzitzit. If you have a linen garment, then you put tzitzit on it. Tzitzit are made out of wool. How do you know that? Because tchelet. Tchelet has to be made from wool. So the tzitzit that go on a linen baguette have to be a problem of kilayim. Because you have a linen baguette with tzitzit made out of wool. Bechemai putrim. Bechemai says that if you have a sadin, if you have a linen baguette, you do not put on tzitzit. Betelel mechayivin. Rabbi Betelel says you do put on tzitzit. So I don't understand why you, my Talmidim, are not putting tzitzit on your linen garments. They were worried about ksut laila. I'm not going to address it now because the sugya comes up again on the next couple of daf, so I'll address it then because there's a lot more to do here in terms of Adlaka Nero Shabbat. But the problem is that either it's a beged that is only worn at night, and since it's a beged only worn at night, it's not chayav and tzitzit, and therefore, if you put tzitzit on it, you'll be in violation of kilayim for a beggar that's not chayav and tzitzit. And therefore, you don't have the dispensation to wear kilayim. The other possibility is at night. It's a beggar that you wear at night, and at night you're patur min a tzitzit because you read temoto, you have to see the tzitzit. If you're patur from tzitzit and you wear them anyway, then you're chayav and kilayim. Tosmo takes issue with that explanation. Again, we'll deal with it. We, we spoke about it in Menachot as well, this issue of Ksut Laila, what exactly the problem is with Ksut Laila, and again, it will come up in the Gemara as well. But, you see here, that the practice of Rabbi Yudha Bar was to wash and get himself ready, prepare himself for the Shabbat and coming into the Shabbat. One more line in the Gemara, and then we'll discuss about a look in their Shabbat, which is, Batiznach mishalom nafshi. My soul was removed from peace. Nashiti tova. I've forgotten all goodness. My batiznach mishalom nafshi. What does it mean that I've removed all peace from my soul? Revao zu hadakat ner Shabbat. This is lighting the candles for Shabbat. Nashiti tova. I've forgotten all good. I'm Rabbiya zu beta merchatz. This is going to the bathhouse. Rabbi Yochanan Amar zu rechitzad yadaim raglaim bechamim. That's washing one's hands and feet in hot water. Yisrochanaf Amar zu mita na'ah. It's a beautiful bed, and beautiful utensils on top of it. This is a bed that is laid, and a beautiful woman who is dressed up for Tamide Chachamim. Now, we have here in the Gemara what seems to be different reasons for Hadlakat Neirot Shabbat. Which is, at one point, the Gemara seems to indicate that the reason you like Neirot on Shabbat is because Neir Shabbat Chuba, because you need to eat the Suda. It's light for the Seuda. Over here, then the Gemara says that it seems to be another reason which the Gemara brought before as well. The Gemara back on Chav Gimel said, when I have a competition between Ner Shabbat and Ner Chanukah, Ner Shabbat Adif, Ner Beito Adif. Why is Ner Beito Adif? Rashi over there says, Mipnei Shalom Bayit. It's a problem in Shalom Bayit. Because as Rashi says over here, Adlaka Ner B'Shabbat, Shalom Yama Madadik, Umakom Shein Ner, Ein Shalom. Shalom Yichunichshav Olech Vafela. But the problem here is that if you don't light a candle, you're not going to have Shalom Bayit. So it seems to me that the Gemara here brings two different reasons for Adlaka Nehru Shabbat. One is problem of eating the meal without light. The other one is a problem of Shalom Bayit. And there seem to be independent reasons. The question is, what is the reason for lighting Nehru Shabbat? So what's interesting is the Rambam himself, when he codifies the Loch of Nehru Shabbat, actually brings the Loch down twice. 
He brings down the halacha once in Perik Hay, and he brings it also in Perik Lamed. The Rambam, when he brings it in Perik Hay, discusses that the mitzvah of Adlaka Nerod Shabbat is Pnei Onega Shabbat. It's for Oneg Shabbat. In Perik Lamed, he brings it again, Adlaka Nerod Shabbat, and he says that it's me, Mekavod Shabbat. It's for honor the Shabbat. So Rambam himself notes the problem in the Gemara, and actually codifies the halacha that there are actually two dinim in Adlaka Nerod Shabbat. There's a din in Kavod Shabbat, and there's a din in Onega Shabbat. So that they're both applicable in terms of the din of Nerot Shabbat. Now, what does that mean? That one is Kavod Shabbat, one is Onega Shabbat. So there's a very famous Reb Chaim. It doesn't read perfectly into the Rambam. It's a diff- somewhat difficult in the Rambam himself. But the Reb Chaim distinguishes and says, what's the difference between something that's Kavod Shabbat and something that's Onega Shabbat? The so Reb Chaim says, something that's Onega Shabbat is something that you do on Shabbat itself. Something that you enjoy or get benefit from on Shabbat itself. Kavodah Shabbat is something that can also be done prior to Shabbat. You can also create Kavodah Shabbat on Shabbat. The Rambam discusses items that you can do on Shabbat itself. And even on Motzei Shabbat that are Kavodah Shabbat. But it doesn't have to be on Shabbat. It can be even prior to Shabbat you can do Kavodah Shabbat. So when you light in anticipation of the Shabbat, that is considered to be Kavodah Shabbat, not an Onega Shabbat. The difference will be, and this does have enough minalocha is, for instance... What happens if you have a candle that's already burning? You have a candle that's already lit, and you're coming into the Shabbat. Now, if the din is a din in Kavod Shabbat, then you must light the candle specifically for Shabbat. So having a candle that is lit will not suffice. One will have to extinguish that candle, and then relight the candle in order to have Kavod Shabbat. If the reason is Onega Shabbat, which means that you must be in a location where there is or where there is light, then that would be classified as Onega Shabbat, and you don't need to light it specifically for that, you just have to have light there when you come into the Shabbat. So if there's a candle already lit, there will be no necessity to light again. Based on that, the Beit HaLevi in Eshut says that's the difference between Kavod Shabbat and Onega Shabbat. You would only make a bracha on Erod Shabbat if you were doing the Kavod Shabbat, because there you must specifically light for the intention of Shabbat. Whereas if it's Onig Shabbat, you wouldn't make a bracha because if the light was already lit, you wouldn't have to light a new light. The Onig Shabbat means that there's light present. That's all you need there. That's the distinction that he draws between Onig and Kavodah Shabbat. Now, Rav Meir Lechtenstein pointed out once that it's actually Duyak in the Mishnayot. He thinks that the Gemara actually derived it from the Mishnayot because the Mishnayot actually involved two lists of Shmanim that are improper to use on Shabbat. We had Mishnah Aleph that said these are Shmanim that you may not use on Shabbat. And then we had a second list of Shmanim, which you may not have for Shabbat as well. Now, in the first list, we said, what was the reason that you may not light with those Shmanim? is because Shemayateh. Right? Because you might come to tilt it and to move it around. Over here, what's the reason that you may not light with these Shmanim? Right? It's Rechul Rad, that you might leave the house. You might be pushed out of the house. So the difference might be in terms of what the focus of the Mishnayot is. Is the focus in the person being present with light in the house? And that's Onega Shabbat. That's the second list of Shmanim. The reason we don't use those is because Onig Shabbat, because of the issue of eating the Sudah, the Makamor. And that's why we don't allow you to light with them because it's going to push you out of the house. The first list of Shemayateh is for the light itself. What's the light for? We said Shalom Bayit, so people can see around, so they can be present. And that list is an issue of Shalom Bayit. And the reason you can't do that is Shemayateh, in order to have the light, give off a proper light for Shalom Bayit. He says actually maybe Miduyak out of the Mishnayot that the two lists, one list is dealing with the issue of Shalom Bayit, lighting for the purpose of the light of Shalom Bayit, and the second one is dealing with your presence in the light, that you must be present in the light to eat the Suda in the presence of light. And that would be the distinction. The other thing to note is that Rav Soloveitchik, that's how in Shurim Mazech Ravi Muri, 
points out this theory in the Rambam, but he also makes another point, which is, when it comes to Kavad Shabbat, the Rambam lists items that you do the Kavad Shabbat, like we saw here in the Gemara. What is that? Number one, you wash your hands, your feet. Number two is, Chris, sit yourself, mitatef. You cover your head, you sit the COVID rosh. Number three is that you put on a something, a begin mitzuyetzet. Put on a, something that has tzitzit on it. Where else do we have those same requirements? By davening. By davening shacharit. The Rambam lists things that are ma'akev, that you're not allowed to daven. Rechitzat yadayim reglayim. Sitting the COVID rosh in the proper place. Putting on a begin tzitzit. You mentioned that in Luchot tzitzit. So the same din by davening. So it's very interesting that you have a parallel between coming into Shabbat and coming into into tefillah. Rosh there gives an answer. Again, I heard from Rabbi Meir Lichtenstein also a nice idea that the difference might be here between what the Rambam mentions has to do with the difference in what you're trying to prepare for. One is a preparation of the individual for approaching the Shabbat. The individual must prepare themselves in order that they are giving honor, kavod to the Shabbat. There's also a secondary requirement, which is that one must prepare the house for Shabbat. Why would you prepare the house for Shabbat? Because exactly what we have here and in other places, which is, that Shabbat coming in is like the Shabbat of Melch. It's an important guest coming into the house. So not only do you have to prepare oneself for Shabbat, but one also light candles in the, sh- in the house, not to prepare themselves, but to prepare the house. That's the Gemara that we find later on in Kufyutet. And when a person returns from shul on Friday night, comes home and two malachim accompany him. And the malachim come into the house and they see whether the bed is made, the table is set, whether everything is prepared and the candles are lit. What does it have to do with it? That's not because of you. That's preparation for the important guest of Shabbat that's coming in. And so because of that, the malachim come to check out whether the house is ready for Shabbat. Light being on in the house is an invitation for people to come in. How do you indicate you don't want someone to come out? You shut the light off. You make it dark outside so people don't come up to the door. You put on lights, that's an indication of invitation for someone to come in, for the Shabbat to come in. And that way, the Kavad Shabbat that's mentioned in Paraglamid, not Kavad Shabbat for the individual bringing Kavad Shabbat, but prepared for the guest, the important guest that's coming. As opposed to Kavad Shabbat that's mentioned in Paraglamid, which is about the individual's Kavad Shabbat for the individual. So those are the two different aspects of Ne'er Shabbat, which is important. Both of them are important. Turns out that maybe the Mishnayot even reflect that difference that the Gemara is mentioning over here. The second machlok, it's actually mentioned in the Tosas of the vote here, is a problem as far back as the Geonim, which is, is there a bracha on Neirot Shabbat? The Gemara never ever mentions that there's a bracha on Neirot Shabbat and never gives a formula for what the bracha on Neirot Shabbat is. We saw earlier in the Gemara that there's a bracha for Neir Chanukah. Chanukah. But Alik Neir Shabbat does not appear here. The Ravya says it appears in the Yushalmi, but in the Bavli, there's clearly no bracha. Because of that, there developed a machloket about within the Gonim and the time of the Gonim already, whether you make a bracha on Neirot Shabbat. The issue that really arises is because of here. It says, Allah Ne'er Shabbat chova is an obligation. There's another place in the Gemara in Chulin, which also says a mitzvah is chova is mai machonim chova. That watching mai machonim is an obligation. Over there, the Bahag writes, the difference between chova and mitzvah is whether you make a bracha. Something's an obligation, it's a chova because of sakana. You're doing it only to eliminate danger. You're not lighting for the sake of lighting. You're lighting because the lighting then gives you something else. And when you do that, when it's an obligation to light, then you do not make a bracha. So some, like the Rebbeinu Mishulam here is quoted in Tosfot, extended that din, that just like by Maim Achonim you don't make a bracha, so too by Nerot Shabbat you won't make a bracha, because it's a chova, it's an obligation. Tosfot says no, chova here does not differentiate between like what it means by Maim Achonim, 
Chuvah here means that Chuvah shall mitzvah onik Shabbat. It's an obligation for onik Shabbat. Not that it's obligatory like we look by my machonim. There's some sort of danger. There's some sort of other ulterior motive here. No, it's for Shabbat itself that you're lighting it. And therefore you would make a bracha. It's a machloket between the Rabbeinu Tam and Rabbeinu Mishulam. Here, in Tosvod and Rabbeinu Tam, the Sefer Yashari actually brings the conversation back and forth between them arguing this issue. But the question of whether you make a bracha on Nero Shabbat really revolves around what the purpose of Nero Shabbat is. Before, like we saw in the Shut of the Beit Levi, if it's for Kovod Shabbat, then you would make a bracha on it. If it's Onik Shabbat, there's a distinct possibility that you wouldn't have to make a bracha on it because it's not something you have to do uniquely for Shabbat. You just have to have light there when you're eating. It doesn't have to be light for Shabbat. It just has to be light. Now, Baliyat Tosvot clearly say if you light, it's lighting for Onik Shabbat. That difference probably arises from, and there was a professor, Tashma, who speculated that this was the case, that when you get to Ben Ashkenaz and the Bnei Tzarfat, they all believe that you make a bracha on Nero Shabbat. Why is that? Because given where they are located, how far north they are located, most of them, and we know this evidence from the Gemara's here, that they brought in Shabbat before it was nightfall. They, they brought Shabbat in when it was still daylight outside. They had early Shabbat, almost there, because it was crazy to wait, to go to France today, you wait till 10, 10.30 at night before you can bring in Shabbat. So they all brought in Shabbat early. You bring in Shabbat early and you light a candle during the daytime, it's clear that there's going to be one reason that you're lighting an air during the daytime. It's not for owning Shabbat, it's only for Kabbalah Shabbat, and it's clear that it's a religious ceremony. So once you reach that point in time where you're lighting candles during the day, it's clear that you've got to make a bracha on it, because otherwise there's no reason to light the candles. You have no reason to light the candles. When you're back in the time of the Gemara, the time of the Gonim, it was their source of lighting. I mean, they didn't have electric lights. We have electric lights today. To light a candle is only a religious ceremony. It's not really what provides us the light on Shabbat. Some people are mocked to turn on the electric lights when they light the candles as well, so they will have that aspect of it. But basically, the Nero Shabbat today do not provide light. So it's clear that they're done the cover of Shabbat, and they're a ritual lighting. And a ritual lighting will require a bracha, because otherwise there's no reason to light. It must be a mitzvah. So it's clear by the time you get to the time of the Rishonim, according to Prisby, that you have to make a bracha because it's all ritual. It's really not for the purpose of light anymore. Especially today, we have that same problem. But original, the original source, and this is where the Gonim are arguing, and we know that there were practices where they did not to make a bracha, was because it was simply their light. Because you put on an electric light, would you make a bracha? No, you need light in your house. You need to eat by light. That's not a reason for a bracha. That's a chovah. So that machlo could exist between here, Rebbeinu Shalom, Rebbeinu Tam, but earlier... It exists, again, whether Professor is right about the development of the bracha in that way, but the idea makes sense, which is to distinguish between when you're using the candles for light and when you're using them as a religious indication or a mitzvah, clearly there's a difference whether you're going to make a bracha or that or not. And today we have the practice to make the bracha. The other machloket in the Gonim is, when are you mikabal Shabbat? What about lighting candles makes you mikabal Shabbat? So there are deot in the Gonim that the bracha itself is what makes you mikabal Shabbat. And because of that, developed the practice that we light the candles of Shabbat, and then you make the bracha afterwards, because otherwise if you made the bracha, you couldn't light the candles. There are many others in the Gonim and others that believe that the lighting of the candles is the Kabbalat Shabbat. So then you can make the bracha and light the candles. Others raise the issue, how about if you light, and it's brought in the Gonim, Shabbat the Gonim, what happens if you light many candles? After you've lit the first candle, then you're ready to make Kabbalat Shabbat, how do you light the residual candles? So the Gonim there say, no, you're not in Kabbalat Shabbat until you complete the lighting of all the candles. But that machloket about whether lighting or the bracha is mekabal Shabbat leads us to the practice that we have today to make the bracha afterwards, although B'nai Sparat do make the bracha beforehand and then light the candles afterwards because they pass on the Shukhan but there's no question that they think the lighting of the candle is mekabal Shabbat. So B'nai Sparat, anybody who's a Sparadish should make the bracha first and then light the candles even on Arab Shabbat. Rabbi Yosef passes that way. 
Ashkenazim on Shabbat should light the candles, then make the bracha afterwards with the Yom Tov. It's pretty strong evidence that one should make the bracha beforehand. There is a machloket amongst the Achronin, the Magin Avram, and others about whether you should do it before or afterwards. Subject for another time, but just be aware that there might be a difference. And Ravad Yosei Paskins for Ashkenazim that on Yom Tov they for sure make the bracha beforehand. That question also involves why are you lighting candles? What is indicative through the lighting of the candles that that is the Kabbalah Shabbat? So now, if you say it's the bracha, we understand, because you're saying, Alik ner shel Shabbat, you're making it into Shabbat. But the lighting of the candles itself, why is that the Kabbalah Shabbat? So some say, because it's the last malacha that you do. It's the indicative, that's it. It's the Mishnah coming up later on when the husband says, what's done in the house? Shabbat. Is everything done? On the list of things, it's the last thing that's done. It's the last malacha that you do coming into the Shabbat. That's the line or demarcation of the crossover between Shabbat or not. Others say, again, because it's lit the Kavad Shabbat. If you like the Kavad Shabbat, it has to involve some sort of aspect of Kabbalah Shabbat involved with it. Right, that's just a broad purview. I'll send you out the Mekorot on Nerot Shabbat. Right, we'll just finish up the Gemara quickly and then we'll continue tomorrow, which is, who is someone who's wealthy? So it's someone who gets enjoyment out of what he has. The equivalent of what we have in the Mishnah in Avot. Someone who's happy with what he has. That's someone who's rich. Everybody has a hundred vineyards and a hundred fields and a hundred servants that work in them. Anybody who has a woman who is beautiful in her actions. Anybody who has a bathroom that is proximate to his table. Again, in their day, the ability to go to the bathroom, they didn't have indoor plumbing. It was an outhouse, and you usually had to go far out into the field. It was not a matter of convenience. Someone who has the ability to go to the bathroom in a closer quarters to where they eat and where they live, that was a huge benefit. So Rashi asks, Ezu Ashir, why does the Gemara even ask this? He says, Nafkamina lemitrach la So Nafkamina to know what you should try to accomplish or accumulate. You want to know what it means to be rich? I want to know what I should be accumulating here or what I should be setting out to take care of. Obviously this is a derivative of what we saw before in the Gemara, which was, the Gemara asks about what is this? Nashiti tovah v'dizdaka shalom nafshi. So there the Gemara says, Nashiti tovah, what is the tovah that we are mentioning about? So we had mita naa kelim naim shalea Rabbi Avraham zumita mutzed v'isham kushetet tamidech chamim. Woman who is mikushetet, that is adorned for tamidech chamim. So some of the rishonim point out that that's the definition that Rabbi Kiva gives. It's not that a beautiful woman is adorned in the physical appearance, but rather a isha that's naa b'masel, like Rabbi Kiva defines later on. That's someone who is neshiti tovah, has lost all goodness. Others interpret it in its literal sense that a woman who is beautiful who draws the attention of her husband, that is also something that is a tova, some greatness, something good. So whether you take it literally or not, but it seems that this Gemara is a derivative of what happened before in the Gemara. Okay, we'll stop over here and we'll continue tomorrow.